This is Cami. And this is Madeline. And you're listening to the Communities That Convert podcast. Episode number 38. Welcome to the Communities That Convert podcast with Madeline Sklar and Cami Hoiza. In this podcast, you will learn how to build a tribe of raving fans. You will hear tips, ideas, and advice you can use right now on how to grow your own community and provide value that inspires them to take action. Are you ready to get started? This episode is brought to you by the Communities That Convert Facebook group. Come join us in our private group because it's the place where we continue the conversation from here. All you have to do is go to Facebook and look up Communities That Convert and look for the groups, or you can go directly there at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Communities That Convert. And be sure to use our secret word, action. Yeah, action. Is the Facebook apocalypse real? Well, I wouldn't really call it an apocalypse, but there are some big changes happening at good old Facebook. Let's talk about it. Let's do. So this year in January, on January 11th, actually, which is an important day for you, why? My birthday. So it was easy for me to remember that that was the big day of the Facebook fallout. Yes. And what happened on that day, Madeline? That was when Mark Zuckerberg made a big announcement talking about changes with Facebook and this really affecting all of us now. So we want to talk about it in this episode. Yes, we do. And we also want to talk about what we've seen since that happened so that we can talk more about what has happened than what might happen which I think hopefully will be helpful to all of us. So in the meanwhile, since that change, uh, when he really changed the way that posts were going to be served to your friends. So he started saying, we're going to be doing more friends and family type of posts. We're going to show more of the things that your friends wanted to say. Have you seen that more? you've seen more of your friends stuff since that change? Have you? Yeah, you know, I really have now that I think about it. I mean, I really don't get in the home feed and surf a whole lot. Um, I just don't have time. But when I do spend a little bit of time on it, I have noticed that it's not as much. It has gone down a bit. Yeah. And I will have to say that it has definitely been that way for me. There's several of my friends that we started talking to each other and realizing we hadn't talked in months and months. And I said, yeah, I blame Facebook. So the new algorithm really has brought us back together. Like it's given us a lot of energy with each other, synergy or whatever where if I ask a question out there, I get a lot of people that maybe normally wouldn't have seen anything I was posting are talking to me again. So I'm really kind of excited about that in the change. In the meanwhile, though, Facebook ended up getting itself in a lot of trouble. And that's a lot more recent. But really, they've been misusing data or data has been leaking out of Facebook for years and years and years. But it came to light recently as well, right? Yeah, Zuckerberg went to Congress. Did you watch any of that? Yeah, I did. And actually, I think he got off a little bit easy. I know they grilled him. But honestly, he could have gone for a whole week. I know that when Microsoft was having similar troubles, they brought Bill Gates up there for an entire week. Wow, that's interesting. So I mean, maybe it's the, the sign of our times that everything has to happen more quickly. Or maybe they just wanted to get, you know, him in and out of there. But 
The truth of the matter is that he did go to Congress. He did have to answer some questions. There was some interesting questions there too. I have to tell you, I remember there was one that was asking him, would you be okay with me saying where you checked into the hotel? And were you, would you be okay telling us where you ate breakfast? And would you be and whatever the different things they said? And he said, no. And they're like, well, then why do you think that we want you to tell everybody about that about us? So <laughs> right. it was um, really, really interesting. And I do think that Congress will eventually take some kind of action, not necessarily against Facebook specifically, but overall about data and how to deal with it. And really the fallout of that is that Facebook has really simplified the way that it does its settings. So now you should be able to go and go into your settings on Facebook and see in one area, all of your privacy settings. So you don't have to go to five different places to get all your settings. I think that's going to be really good for people. What do you think? I think so too. I mean, I think in light of all of this, we're all being a little bit more aware of the whole privacy thing with our Facebook. We're all getting a better understanding because, you know, it's very easy to say, oh, I'm just going to use this platform. I'm not going to read the fine print. Who really does? Who really reads through pages and pages of these privacy items that make no sense to all of us, right? Well, I do, but I'm weird. Okay, that's just you. (laughs) But most of us (laughs) don't. I mean, I remember back in the MySpace days, you know, keep in mind that was huge for musicians and I was in the music business at the time and everybody was fine with it. But then whenever once in a while somebody would make a big thing about, well, as a musician, you know, we put our songs on there and it says in the fine print that they can do whatever they want with it. And then everybody would get up in arms over like, oh, I didn't know that that was in in the, the fine print, you know? and so. It's really easy to forget that when we're on these sites, it's rented space. We don't own this space. So when we're putting content on there and we put what we had for breakfast and we're doing the location, like I'm at the airport, I'm at this particular hotel. I mean, most times we're doing this very willingly, not thinking about any repercussions of it. Right. And I think that a lot of people have really reacted in an interesting way because this data has been out there for a long time. I mean, really, this whole Analytica data problem happened back in 2005. I mean, this is when this data was stolen. I mean, so this is coming to light now. But honestly, it's been there forever. So you know, all of your settings where you can show with friends of friends or just friends only or whatever. I don't think many people really understood what those meant. But the truth is, is that a lot of the other applications that use Facebook as an as an authenticator. So I don't know. I'm just thinking of any kind of one where you go on and it says, do you want to search Facebook and see which of your friends are on this app? Have you ever done that before? Gone and searched to see which of your friends are on an app? Well, then you can then you can add them. Well, you can in many of these cases. And that's really part of the Facebook API or that's you know the way that people hook into the Facebook app. So what I think you're going to find is that on some of these apps that you use, there's going to be a little bit less functionality that you're used to. Okay. And so they may have to find ways to overcome that because they don't have it in the app anymore. And so, yeah, they're just going to be bringing it back in. But inside of Facebook, don't worry, they will still be getting friends of friends data. Trust me on this one. I don't know if you've ever been watching the sidebar and you see a group or a page and it says so-and-so likes this page. Right. And it's one of your friends and you see their little face there. Years and years ago, I turned that off when it first came out. So in your settings, in your privacy settings, you can actually turn that off so people don't see if you liked a page or not. 
because I do public relations and I have clients and so on. I like a lot of pages that aren't really like pages that I actually like. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm there for research or, or whatever reasons. So a long time ago, I turned that off. So you can turn that off in your settings. But in the advertising and all that kind of stuff, people are buying that data to serve you ads. So they're going to say, hey, who are the friends of the people that like social media breakfast? I can actually target that group of people. I don't, but I'm just saying I can. So that's not going to go away because that's where the money is for Facebook, right? Sure. Absolutely. I mean, when it comes to advertising, it's nice that you can target people that liked a certain page. That's how I've done my Facebook ads is very valuable information. We're not getting there. I mean, it's not giving us an Excel spreadsheet of all the people, right? But if someone liked a page and you want to target that group of people, that is a great way to, to do your advertising. No, I totally agree with that. And so because of that, you know, we're not going to see a change in that. I mean, if you're on a platform, realize like Facebook, if you aren't paying for the service, you are the service, right? They're, they're selling your data. So I think Facebook has a high bar. They're going to have to answer to the court of public opinion. And right now, I'm not so sure that everybody trusts them, but they don't also know what to do about it. <laughs> right? Right, exactly. And our friend Kirsten Oliphant has a post talking about how other countries are protecting privacy. We're seeing things come out in the news about the UK, right? They're doing a GDPR. I'm not really under, I, I haven't read up on all of this. I think you're a little bit more up on it, up to speed on it. You want to yeah, talk about that? So GDPR is really a new standard in the UK where if you have anybody, like say you're a marketer and you have somebody from the UK on your mailing list, there is specific rules that you have to follow. And here's the thing. If you have a reputable email service provider like MailChimp or ConvertKit or any of these things, they're going to add GDPR compliance into their platforms. Do you know what I'm saying? So part of it is that you can't gather and keep the information of the people from these countries on like servers. And that includes things like you know, an Excel spreadsheet. You have to be careful about how you keep their data and how you reach out to them. So it's it's going to be really interesting. We're going to put a link in the show notes to a really great article that Kirsten wrote about this that's very detailed. So if you do have a lot of people that are overseas and maybe in the UK or in the European, in the EU, it's not just the UK, it's also the EU, um, really, actually overall EU. I wonder how that will affect the UK with the UK leaving with Brexit. But anyway, so it'll be interesting. But I do want to mention, too, that that in addition to this blog post that Kirsten wrote, she also has a a podcast I'll call Creative Writing. And she has an episode that came out today because it's on my phone here. Oh, cool. That uh, she has an episode called Tips for GDPR Compliance. It probably goes with this this post. Probably she wrote. so. Um, probably so. But we'll yeah. put both of those in the show notes so you guys can really get up on it. I don't want to like sit here and act like I really am a big huge expert on this. I'm really relying on my email provider to help me through this transition because that's where I keep all my data. But really, when the in the end of the day, what it means is that if the, if somebody asks to be removed from your list, you have to remove all data. You can't keep it. You can't wait till later. You you know it used to be that when you got people unsubscribed their data would still sit there. You just wouldn't send it to them anymore. Well, they don't, they don't allow that anymore either. So anyway, I would just say that, you know, just be aware that these things are going on, that this whole data privacy thing is becoming an issue and it's becoming an issue all around the world. And because we are so 
international and the world is flat and all of that. It doesn't matter if you're in the US or Argentina or, you know, in the UK or the U, anywhere in the European Union, which we have a lot of listeners in those countries. So I know that if you're in those countries, you know about this already. You've heard about this. So definitely go and read these two articles because I do think that this data privacy thing will become huge for us and we need to continue thinking about it. Absolutely. So how does this impact everybody? How does this impact our our community? Yeah, our community builders. Hey, so how does this impact us? I think that this is a really good question. I'm not sure if we know all the answers to that yet, but I do know that Facebook is starting to put a focus on groups and community building and what I would like to call authentic connections versus more inauthentic connections, which are like, you know, looser. So they want you to have tighter connections with the people that you're talking with and and so forth. So it's not just sales, sales, sales. It's really about that extra layer of relationship. So I think that that's the thing to start to understand that the more that we can build those relationships, the better we're going to perform in any kind of social media channel, because you have those relationships and people do want to connect with you. And, you know, here is the quote from Mark Zuckerberg that came out on on the 11th of January. And he said, at its best, Facebook has always been about personal connections. By focusing on bringing people closer together, whether it's with family and friends or around important moments in the world, we can help make sure that Facebook is time well spent. And I just want to dissect this for a second. I realize this is all marketing speak and PR, but he said some stuff in here that was pretty well encoded inside of it. The one that really sticks out to me is time well spent because the big metric for Facebook is how much time you spend on the platform. Right. Absolutely. Every platform wants you to spend time there. They don't want you to leave. Right. And so in the past, they've done a lot of that at the expense of people and their data and their security. So now what he's talking about is time well spent. So what they're looking for is, as he said in here, personal connections, bringing people closer together. And it says family of friends and important moments. So family, friends, and important moments around the world. So they're looking to be kind of a news source. They're looking to connect you with your family and friends. And so where does that leave businesses? Well, one of the things that I know for sure is that in authentic communication, people trust each other, right? And they are friends with each other. So one of the things I've noticed and groups and our groups are no exception is that when people are in the groups are connected on Facebook as friends outside of the group, your groups are much more lively because those groups get more notifications. And I'm just going to say that drives that behavior for Facebook. So for example, if Madeline is in a group and she posts in that group, Facebook will notify me that Madeline just posted in XYZ group if I'm also in the group with her. By doing that, it makes me wonder what Madeline is doing in that group and why is she not in my group right now? And I go and I see what Madeline's doing in that group and I read what she has to say. So one of the things that I've been finding is working very well is like having your community invite their friends into the group. A, it grows your group, which is awesome. But B, it really does help you with this virility of the group in general. It makes it much more active of a group when you have a wider base of people that are connected outside of the actual group itself. Absolutely. I totally agree with you on that. It's interesting. I mean, there's like this whole psychology of this, right? Very interesting. Yeah. So... The next thing is with authentic communication on Facebook that's working right now is one of your favorites. I'm going to let you talk about it, about questions. 
Oh, well, before that, but questions. Okay. I, well, yeah, asking questions. You're the one that's really good at this because you're always asking questions. You and Eric Tung, I see y'all doing this all the time, like asking questions, not using links, just asking questions, questions to drive engagement. And it's actually a very good strategy to help get you noticed, get you seen and heard because your friends are going to see that you are liking, that you're commenting, you're having a discussion. They, they don't want to be left out. They don't want the FOMO, fear of missing out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually try really hard to make these questions that I ask related to the things that I'm doing. You know, I don't just ask weird. Like a poll. You're basically, yours always tend to be feel like polls. And you know, where it might be something we're doing with the podcast with a topic and you want to get, you've done that before where you use it to gather information that's been really helpful to us, right? Yeah. And I like to do that too, because it also allows me to hear what people are actually thinking. And for me, that's really important because I find that the gyms that you're going to find, like including any kind of course I'm going to launch, any kind of product I'm going to make, I find the seeds of those products in these questions. Because people will, if you hear a lot of people saying the same thing, you know that that's really interesting. So the last one I asked about is if you could, if you could do anything and not fail this year, if you could learn any one thing this year and not fail, what would it be? I mean, I would say overall, a foreign language was really high on people's lists. You know, people really wanted to learn a foreign language. There was a lot of learning goals, it sounded like to me in in what we had, including everything from quantum physics to string theory. I mean, there was some crazy stuff in there. I was like, wow, I have smart friends. (laughs) (laughs) So um, that was interesting. But yeah, it was interesting. And what I find interesting is that people really want to learn So to me, right now is a really good time to teach stuff, you know, so if you have something to teach, right now is a really good time to do that. So I love that for our group building. There was just a lot of stuff in there. I I don't know if I would have done a course around anything that was said there, but I thought it was really interesting what people said. So I always find that fascinating. And so yeah, asking questions, including in your groups, really bringing people in, making them understand that, you know, they're really essential part of what's going on rather than just preaching to them having them tell you what they want. I think that's the thing that really yeah, works really for well. sure. And you're good at posting questions to our group as well in our communities that convert Facebook group. I, I like when you like, we get some new people coming in and then you'll ask some questions to them and, and get conversations started. I love that. Yeah. So now we are to live streaming, which is your area. So I'm going to throw that over in your court. I love live streaming. Well, All right. So when Mark Zuckerberg talked about all these things and you quoted, you know, what he talked about, live streaming is a great way to bring people together. That is a wonderful way to get people together, which in turn drives engagement, right? Because it gets people talking. When I do my Facebook lives each week after my Twitter chats, I do one after Twitter Smarter, one after Social ROI. You're going to see lots and lots of comments because we're having a live conversation with people while we're live streaming. But then also the people that are in there are chatting among themselves as well. Like I'll look over to see what are people saying and they're like, oh, hey, hey, John, good to see you. Oh, so glad you're here. Hey, how are you doing? And there'll be this whole side conversation going on. And it's a great way to get people together. It's authenticity at its best. No, I agree completely. And I know you use a, a platform called Be Live or Believe. I don't know. Be Live. <laughs> be Live. Be Live. Be live. <laughs> believe. It's Be Live. Believe. 
But yeah, be live is cool for that reason too, because it lets you put up the things that people are saying on the screen. I really like that about well, that particular but platform. But there's a change now. Here, here's the thing. Okay, so a couple. Okay, that what relates to what we're talking about today. There's been two major changes that affected be live and other third party tools for live streaming and for live streaming natively on on the platform. So number one, be live is very cool in the fact that when you see the comments coming, you can click on it and it will show it on the screen. Super cool. Well, right now with all of these changes, it will not show the person's name or picture. It took it off. You just see that right now it's a little odd. They're just doing like a silhouette of a person and then just showing what they said. So I totally understand. It makes sense. Maybe people feel that's an invasion of privacy if their name pops up on there. Well, and I think what's happening there is exactly what I just told you. The friends of friends data has been removed from the API and BeLive is using the API, the friends of friends data to pull that. So right. you have lost that capability. That's really cool. Not cool, but it's very interesting. It's interesting. It it's interesting. Way. Yeah. Yeah. But BeLive's the only one I know of that had that feature where as the person running it, you could click on the comments and do that. The other thing that's happened uh, recently as well is not having the ability to, they've been kind of going this whole back and forth, but not being able to schedule a live stream in a group, which was kind of strange. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I know that I can go into any of my Facebook groups and do a live stream. So it was something where BeLive had put a notice out to their community that it was a temporary stop. And it seems like so it's been lifted. They can't, stream, they can't stream into groups with BeLive or couldn't. They couldn't stream, but I think it was if it was scheduled. I don't know. It was very odd, but it seems to be fine now. So it was kind of, you know, or maybe not scheduled. Maybe it was for, I know that if I do it natively, it would work. But you and I, but see, here's where it doesn't make sense. You and I have been doing live streams every week through Blue Jeans, and that's a third-party tool that you use. Did you ever get a notification from them about? No, and I think it has to do with the way that they use the API. Okay, so okay, Facebook so maybe made that a number was, of changes okay. to the API, and there's a couple of ways you can schedule things, like where you can schedule something where it shows up on the the stream. And I don't know if BeLive did that, but where it shows up ahead of time, like it's going to go here, and then it starts to stream. I don't know. So. Listen, I don't know all the details and we don't need to know all the details. The point is that Facebook, as is its right, has made a huge change to its API and developers are scrambling to re-situate their tools and make them have similar capabilities or, you know, different capabilities depending on what they need to do in order to get around this particular change. That's always been the case. You know, anytime one of these big platforms changes their API, they really don't give developers tons and tons of notice. They change it, everything breaks, and then the developers like work like double shifts until they get it fixed again. Exactly. I'm sorry, developers, if you're out there listening to this, you can get on here. If you are a developer, we would love you in our group to come tell us what's going on. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. So it seems like it affected BeLive, but not BlueJeans. And it's probably having to do with the API, like you're talking about, and how it was, how they were extracting the information. That's correct. Mm -hmm. So everything seems to be okay now. Yes, so. I agree. No, I mean, things will continue to be better. Because I mean, here's the thing. Technology is nothing if it isn't inventive, right? So, right. you know, developers are smart, and they're going to figure out ways to work their, their technology in a way that works for them. It may take a little bit different pathways. They may have had something a little bit more elegant 
that they were using, but now they can't do that anymore. So I applaud them for the hard work. I am sure that they've done over the last, you know, two to three weeks to get everything running again and working. I guess if you live in as a uh, app on top of another app, which is like, you know, Facebook, you're kind of at the mercy of Facebook as your whole business model is. So, you know, smart developers will have a backup plan (laughs) on how to deal with these things. So the last thing that we were going to talk about under authentic communication was really about ads. And I know that sounds weird to talk about ads as authentic communication. But what I'm going to tell you is that Facebook is going to love your ads that are educational versus just salesy. They want to serve up good content and good ads. And so they're going to be looking at that. And how that kind of works out is if you put up an educational type of ad, meaning something that drives people back to educational content, and people really engage with that ad, they're going to serve your ad more often and better. And that's just sort of the way the algorithm works. Also, one great tip on how to do that is to really look at your well-performing content on Facebook. So say you have a post that's just really going gangbusters, like my questions post, for example. Those would do really well as ads, to be honest with you. Um, you could run an ad against that and it would probably really boost that up. So if you're a brand looking to like do better job on your page, for example, which is harder than like, say, your group, you know, you may want to look at those kinds of really educational and engaging sorts of posts. And as the as the engagement starts to build, then run an ad or a boost or whatever you want to call it against that post. And you're going to find out that that's going to work really, really well for you right now. Very cool. Yep. Love that. I can't promise you it'll be in like another year working really well. But right now, that works great. And then um, now we can talk about the flip side of things in authentic. In authentic communication. Yeah. And this this is the kind of communication that honestly isn't performing very well on on Facebook right now. So we're going to just talk about what we've seen that isn't really performing well right now. And we did talk about the friends of friends data and how you know, those apps that are trying to sell your friends stuff or get you to like send out a spammy message to all your friends, those apps are going to not work well on Facebook right now. I also, I don't, I haven't seen this yet, but I'm concerned that polls aren't going to work really well right now because that's sort of how the data got, got out of the genie, the genie got out of the bottle for the data that got lost. That was just because somebody answered a quiz and I got a notification from Facebook that one of my friends answered that quiz and my my data was given as well. So it was out there. So, you know, you're going to see, I think, Facebook be a little bit leery of the quizzes. Like, are you, which Disney princess are you? I, this is the type of quiz I'm talking about. You know, where they ask you to authenticate uh-huh. your Facebook with Facebook and then it asks you some questions and then it gives you like this thing and you post it and you say, oh, look, I'm like Cinderella. And then they... um then your friends say, oh, well, who am I? I well, I'm grumpy. I'm sorry. That's, <laughs> that's, no, but that's little... a great example, though, because I know exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. So those real those kinds of quizzes, I think, are not going to work really well right now. So be careful of them, even taking them. I would be really careful anytime you have to what they call OAuth or authenticate your Facebook profile with the app you know, think about what you're doing. You know, is it really that important for you to know what Disney character you are? It's a good question, right? (laughs) Exactly. I think we're all going to start thinking twice about it. Now, we have an article from TechCrunch that we'll put in the show notes that kind of talks about all of this stuff with the API shutdown. So we'll be sure to have that in there. There's also spammy and sales groups, right? That are very inauthentic. 
So how is that going to be? So what kind of things do you see there that are being affected? So, I mean, I don't think that these groups, well, I mean, they may have done well in the past, but Facebook is being is starting to be very aware of them, I guess. And and I'm sure they were already aware of them to a certain degree before. But there's some hate groups out there. There are people that are organizing themselves through Facebook. I'm not sure how that's going to be stopped. And we don't see it. I've always called Facebook groups a little bit of the dark web because these closed and secret groups, you can't see them. You don't know that they're there. It's like the iceberg. You know, it's like the ice that's under the water. There's all these groups. So that dark web is really you know, these hate groups that are forming up and talking about how they're going to go against and also advocacy groups. I mean, some of them are, you know, you would think positive, depending on your points of view or negative, you know, it, it depends. So I don't know what Facebook's going to do about those. Um, there's also low quality and spammy groups where people come in and say, you know, let's follow for follow. And um, yeah. let's do all these things. Like if I put up a thing, you like it, and then I'll like all your stuff. And right. here's the one I want you to like and like groups and I don't know if Facebook can really weed all of that out. I mean, I think they can do some of it with their algorithms because they do know what you're saying in your group. So do you realize even though your group is super secret, Facebook knows what you're saying? Of course. Yeah. So they know and and they're going to serve you ads too around that. Exactly. So and then pay to join groups. I mean, that's something that Facebook does not want us doing. You know, a lot of us have Facebook groups for say a course or some kind of program, but they're not just paying for that. They're paying for a whole program and that's just an added bonus. So you're okay with that. But if you have a group that is strictly pay to join, that's actually not allowed. And so we're going to definitely see Facebook shutting those down. Yeah. And I would be really careful too. So if you do have a group, even as an add-on to your course, which so many people do. I mean, I'm in a lot of them and love them and find them really highly engaging. But I would also recommend that you have a backup. So like a Thinkific site or a Kajabi site or somewhere where you're putting your stuff, even if they're not going there to get it. Because some people, as you, you could talk about that in your group, because you have a Thinkific course set up. I do. I have several private Facebook groups with several classes that have been happening, uh, one in the past and one that's current with my video like a rock star program. So yeah, it's an add-on. I agree with you, Kimmy. I think it's good to have a backup. I do have this at Thinkific, one of the cool features at Thinkific, and I'm sure Teachable and the others do this. I can have discuss as an add-on. And you know, that's that what we see in a lot of blogs at the bottom where you can put your comment is just a third party tool, very popular discuss uh, or D-I-S-Q-U-S. So sometimes people are not sure how to pronounce it. So I actually have those in place and I try to encourage my students to use it just to keep it all self-contained there. And my thought is, what if Facebook stops letting us use it, even in the way I and many other colleagues or mine are using it, where it's not a pay, it's not like pay $25 a month to join my group and it is just a Facebook group. Like, like if someone's doing that, that is not allowed. But I think Facebook my concern is they're going to go after everybody that's doing or it. Or that in they'll any change that, that they'll change the rule. You know what I mean? So at any moment they can change it. So I think having people on an email list and having a separate area. I mean, because Thinkific is awesome and it's a great place to go look at stuff. I mean, you're telling me that most of your students aren't going there, even though you have it set up. Well, for them. so here's what's funny, and I knew this going in. You want the Facebook group because most people are going to be on Facebook already. 
and they would prefer to get all the information in Facebook. And so when I started this mastermind several months ago, the way I did it is I have Thinkific. So that's the platform where I have all the online training videos. I have all the information. Everything is there. You could take the whole program just by going through there. The other thing I do is I send out a daily email and the daily email has everything you need for the daily assignment, links to everything. So you're also covered there. The third thing I do is I put each daily assignment into the Facebook group as well. And I've asked the students like, you know, do you have one that you pick over the others or one that you use more than the other? Unanimously, everybody has been Facebook and they like to utilize it because they're already there. I mean, let's face it, Facebook has won the social media game. Like if there is one winner in all of this, it is Facebook because we all live in Facebook. You know, we all are in there all the time. Well, I I mean, if you're of a certain age, because I will tell you that the younger set is mostly an Instagram. So this is true. This is true. Some changes that are coming, but generally speaking with the, you know, the number of people that are on Facebook, it's the best place to do it. Plus it has so many tools and abilities. So like if you're doing a video live streaming course, I mean, where else are you going to do it? That's a place to like video live stream in a private space. I mean, I really couldn't even think of another place like that without setting up something very elaborate. Maybe um, Zoom, Zoom, you could do it, maybe. Sure. So, but I think I just see lots of pluses to it, but I I would not be surprised if Facebook makes changes in their terms of service. It would not surprise me. No, they do it all the time. And Honestly, they may be forced to these changes through actions so that they don't get legislated. And that's one of the things they're going to be worrying about is they don't want legislation. They'd rather self-police because, believe me, prescriptive legislation is a lot harder to deal with than, say, you know, your own decision to make the platform so. Right. And it's such a walled garden that they do have the ability to change things pretty quickly. So I would say, you know, for Facebook this is going to be the ongoing thing to just keep your eyes open as a community, as a community owner and really look at ways to back it up. I mean, just make sure you're not all your eggs in one basket. That's all I'm going to say. Just do not put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. There've been other platforms that can help you run a community. I, I can't think of the name, but there was one that was really popular years ago that that is very much like Facebook groups and you can self-contain, you can put all kinds of content, but you paid for it. It was a paid service. And and, uh, and really the friction of getting people to show up there. You know, that's really what the issue is that, you know, it's really hard to get people to make a special stop on the internet for your special flower group, you know, unless there's something really compelling in it, like a healthcare kind of thing. I've seen people do that because they want something off private off of Facebook where their stuff isn't being shared with the fact that they have cancer or that they have gotten a certain kind of operation or whatever is not being shared with Facebook, you know, so I can understand where they're coming from on that. So you have to have some very compelling reason for people to come to your special private walled off Facebook group that, you know, quasi Facebook group, if you will, on your own site. The other thing I've been seeing a lot of lately is that a lot of marketers are experimenting with Messenger. Yes, they because are. you can subscribe to Messenger through different services. ManyChat is one that I've been experimenting with a little bit. And it can be a really, really great way to connect with your community. And it also can be really spammy and inauthentic if you're not careful because it's like it goes out to lots of people all at once. 
And I just got a message from one of the, the ones that I had subscribed to. And he said something that didn't make too much sense about how Facebook had stopped him from sending things. So I'm like, okay, so Facebook is really looking out to see how people are using these services. And they're putting a stop to it if they feel like it's a little bit too spammy. So well, I don't know if you had heard Minichat and a couple of the others, there's like this embargo right now with Facebook where like, I have many chats set up, you have many chats set up, if you have a set up on your Facebook page, then you're okay. But then as soon as all this stuff started happening a few weeks ago, Facebook stopped them all like many chat and all the others, if you did not already set it up on your page, you cannot do it right now. Like they have been stopped oh, wow. because okay. of all these changes. So See, I didn't know that. I'm so glad I I'm so glad I listened to this podcast. I know. Aren't you glad you're listening right now and getting all this information? So again, this goes back to just like what happened with BeLive. This has happened with Minichat and these other ones that are really popular right now, where right now Facebook does not want this going out. I guess they're probably looking to see because it is kind of spammy. Even though we opt in and I've opted into a few, then I feel like, oh, they're invading my space because Messenger is private. It doesn't really feel like email, right? Email seems different. We opt in and maybe because we're used to getting stuff in that email box and that inbox. Messenger feels so much more private. It feels almost special, right? Because of how it's designed and how we use it. So I'm kind of like, why am I signed up for this person to, I feel like I'm being invaded. Yeah. Even when you signed up for it. So, I mean, it's got to be good stuff. I mean, I, I've had some people use it and, and it's been okay. I have to be honest. Nothing's come through it that's made me like be like, wow, what a cool use of mini chat or of messenger. So I don't know. I mean, we'll definitely need to find some kind of article about what's going on with um, those services and why Facebook is cutting them off because I would really like to know more about that. So we will put that in the show notes. We sure will. So any other inauthentic use of Facebook? I mean, I just think pure sales groups, you know, they, they have these groups where they're trying to sell just products or services or whatever. And I think, you know, right now, there's nothing wrong with that. The issue is just then becomes how long will Facebook put up with that and let you have that group for free? You know, so there may be a day that comes when certain types of groups have to pay to be formed. I don't know. I, you know? I've heard there's been rumors of this and I don't know. If this is just, you know, people outside of Facebook speculating this, or if this is coming from Facebook, but there have been rumors of this and it wouldn't surprise me if they come up with a fee structure for all businesses of any kind that wants to use a Facebook group. If it's used for a business purpose, I could see that. I could see that too, or some kind of ad cost or whatever. I don't know. Because right now they have it set up. I mean, their whole business model is based around the advertising stuff. So I don't know how they're going to charge that or how that'll work. But I do know that I do know that that's that's a possibility. So you always have to be ready for these things. And Facebook is also going to continue to be under pressure to clean up their act when it comes to data sharing and data. So understand that they're going to make whatever changes they need to make in order not to get regulated. I agree. Absolutely. So we have a call to action for everybody, for our action takers who are listening. And we know that's you, the listener. We want you to take action. So we want you guys to come over to the Facebook group. We love our community there. And uh, 
We want to know what is working and what isn't with your Facebook marketing right now. Have you noticed a difference? I mean, I, we both have seen a difference. We want to hear from you. We want to know what have you noticed? So come post in comment in the Facebook group. And, and let's have learn a com- from each other. Yeah. Let's have a conversation about this. So just look for the post and comment below and uh, let's have a talk. Yep. And if you want to find us, all you have to do is go to facebook.com and search for communities that convert. Make sure you're going to the group because there's two, there's a page and a group. So just make sure you go to the group and uh, just request to join and we'll let you in. The password is action. Action. I love that. I think it's a, a great, great uh, secret word to get in. So the URL of this is facebook.com slash groups slash communities that convert. That will get you right in. So come over there if you're not already, and we're going to have a great conversation about this. Yes, we are. And we will talk to you next week. We'll see you then. Bye. Hey, this is Madeline. And I want to let you know, you can connect with us on our website at communitiesthatconvert.com. You can get all the information in the show notes for this episode. And we also encourage you to visit us on our Twitter profiles. You can reach out to me at Madeline Sklar. That's spelled M-A-D-A-L-Y-N-S-K-L-A-R. And also to Cammie. Her Twitter handle is at CamiChat, and that's spelled K-A-M-I-C-H-A-T. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening to the Communities That Convert podcast with Madeline Sklar and Cami Hoiza, where you learn how to build a tribe of raving fans. Stay in touch with Madeline and Cammie through their website at communitiesthatconvert.com. Communities That Convert.